Immigration's always been an issue that inflames passions. We're going to hopefully get a lot of people coming in, and they're all going to come in legally. Hello, and welcome to All Roads Lead Here, a project documenting immigration stories, activism, resources, and immigration law. I'm your host, Daniel Roque, and I'm here joined by my guest, Raneem Hadid. Hey, Daniel. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. You know, I've been trying to get you on this sh- this little project for a while. I, I really love your story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So let's get into it, all right? Yep. So how old are you and where are you from? I'm 30 years old, and I'm from a small uh, city called Homs in Syria. Oh, wow. What was it like yeah. there? Sorry? What was it like growing up uh, over there? Uh, I I grew up, it was like, I grew up in a um, neighborhood. It's a Christian neighborhood. So in Homs, it's like segregated between Christian Muslims and Elwits. And I grew up in this uh, neighborhood, um, um, mainly in the streets with my best friend when we were kids. And uh, I went through like three phases. Phase one was uh, mainly I remember of it, having this friend and just going around in the neighborhood and playing in the, um, in the courtyard in front of uh, our building. Um, and this is like my, we, we were born at the same time and we're still friends till today. Um, and then I joined uh, a group uh, with, um, at the age of 13, I joined a group with um, a priest called, he's from Netherlands, he's called, uh, Franz van der Loch, uh, and this is where like he was completely different than the Syrian community and like the Syrian culture and his mission was to help um, people with needs and uh, dis- disabled people and I was part of that um, it wasn't all about Bible studies it was like we held um we held meditation retreats and Bible studies every month. And then in the summer, we used to do um, campings and hikings for 10 days. And it's all like combined Christian people with Muslims and everyone. So I never had this barrier between the others. Like I always had this um, open-minded um, idea about people. So I looked as a person, as a human being. Oh, and then after like? that, uh, phase three. So go ahead. I was wondering, what was it like being a, a Christian minority in Syria? Um, I mean, to be honest, I spent my whole neighborhood with Christians. I mean, yes, in this, in those retreats and the campings, it was uh, with Muslims. But then, like, we never felt that we are minority or. All I got from Muslims is like respect and love and appreciation. And you don't hear that much from Christians in Syria because they have a different point of view about Muslims, but I don't. 
Oh, so most Christians in Syria have like a negative point of view? They ha- they are afraid. Hmm. But the way I grew up, I told you, I didn't have any problems. I didn't see anything as a problem, I think. So growing up was like, it was good for you. It was like a good experience. Yeah, it was a great experience, especially with with the priest uh, friends. That's good. But uh, I know that Syria, I believe they're going through a civil war or there was a civil war going on. I'm not sure the status of it right now. Yeah, so phase three is when I went to a university in Damascus University. And um, I had a pretty decent life. Everything was amazing. I had great people and everything. But then until the uh, 2011, where um, the first uh, protest against the government was taking place, and uh, a lot of people got killed. Um, but then, like, it happened that the government made this lie of uh, um, terrorism and those people are armed and they're going to kill everyone. So it was a lie. But then, anyways, I don't want to get into um, politics that much, but I want to tell you what happened to my neighborhood. So in 2011... Um, the end of 2011, the government started um, bombing the neighborhoods in uh, in homes and other cities. But my neighborhood got uh, completely wiped out and destroyed. And everyone in the neighborhood, the, the community that I was relying on, uh, we all got evacuated and we left the city. And my parents uh, went to um, their hometown in the mountains, which is like an hour away from out of the city. And since then, I've never been back, and uh, I never saw any of my uh, neighbors or friends or anyone. Ever since that event? Hmm? Ever since that event? Yeah. So could could you, uh, I don't know, if I don't want to like, uh, if it's too painful for you, but do you mind walking through what happened that day? Walking us through? I mean, that day I wasn't there because I told you I study in Damascus University. Okay. Uh, but my parents had to leave. Uh, and how did you They tell me it? stories. Hmm? Oh, they told you stories about it? Yeah, they told me stories on how they had to evacuate because the government was <laughs> fighting against terrorism, which is not correct. Anyways, um, they left. They had to stop on too many... Um, how do you say it? Like um, checkpoints from the army to check if they have uh, weapons or anything. And then, uh, yeah, they left everything in the house and uh, went to their house in the mountain. So when you heard about this, what was going through your head? Like when you were in Damascus hearing about all this? Um, I was, I was like very, I mean, I was shocked. I did not I just did not expect something like that and I was afraid and I was always having hoping that we're gonna go back home and it's gonna be temporary so every month I just wait like maybe something will change and we go back home and now it's been um 
it's been nine years now since then. Oh my God. Yeah. So that kind of leads me into the next question. Like what finally made you want to come to the U.S.? Uh, so I graduated in 2012, like barely under the, under the fight and the shooting and everything. So I graduated that year. And my parents didn't want me to stay in Damascus because it was getting dangerous. Like bombs are dropping everywhere. Uh, I experienced running away from shooting and it was like too much for them. Um, so I went, they forced me to go back to the mountain house, which I don't like. And it's not my house, it's just the summer house. And uh, that's when I said, okay, there's no future for me there. All my friends left the country. I was young, I was 23 years old, and I wanted to do something with my life. That's why I decided to come here, looking oh, for man. a better life. You know, I could never imagine what that's like. I mean, I'm very young, and <laughs> I could never imagine like leaving the country I was you know, born and raised in my whole life and traveling. So I want to I wanna really uh, you know, give you praise for that. It really takes a lot of effort and strength. <clears throat> what was the immigration process like? And like, what are some stories you have or remember from that period? Yeah, so I had it easy because easy just in the immigration aspect. Um, so my grandparents used to live here back in the 80s, 70s. I don't remember exactly. So they had the American citizenship and they automatically gave it to their children, which is my dad, one of them. And then I got it automatically from my dad because like in 2011, we tried to come here and settle here, but my mom didn't like it and we had to go back to Syria. That's when I got it automatically. So I just booked a ticket and left. And But you, you, you basically had American citizenship at that point? Yes. Oh, wow. So that was very, very convenient. Can you can you raise your voice because I can't hear? Oh, that was a that was very convenient. Yeah, yeah, it was very convenient. I didn't have to go through all the struggle. Well, I mean, you certainly probably had some struggles here in the U.S. though. Oh yeah, I had a lot. Like I was, I was an American citizen, yeah, on paper, but I had nothing to do with America. Wow. What were so, what's the um, memories you had, like your first memories when you got here? Okay, the first memory is, so when I got here, I got picked up from the airport. My friend who, who was Syrian also, we used to go to school together. She came here before me, but she had a family here and um, she got engaged and everything was fine. So they picked me up from the airport and uh, they told me about a place to stay in and um, it was like a, a, an attic belongs to her fiance's aunt so I stayed I came here there's two things I remember from my experience the most it's still in my head until today uh, first thing is when I was sitting I was sitting on the floor next to the window in the attic maybe a few days after I came here and I was just thinking that um I'm here, um, 
like I felt like a naked person. Like I don't have my community. I don't have my support system. It's just me here. And it felt like everything around me is like super dark. There's nothing around me. And this is when I felt like this, it was very hard. Like it was very hard to feel that way. Um, the second thing I remember also from all of that is the first time I went to New York City and uh, it was the week after. And uh, also I felt like it's it's so huge. It has a lot of energies, a lot of power. And I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm nothing here. But then a very deep sound in my head was saying like, no, you can make it. Uh, you're bigger than that. Um, and then this idea made me where I am today. Like this, those voices in my head saying that you can make it, you're bigger than everything. You know, I've spoken to a lot of immigrants and they, they also uh, talk about that feeling, you know, that they feel that they, they come here and then they can make it and they can uh, accomplish goals. You, do you feel that way as well? Yeah, I feel that way, even though like um, I had so many factors that uh, was telling me not to believe that way. For example, I had people um, underestimating my skills because I'm from third world country. I had people um, become like super racist because of my accent. Um, I figured figured out that the American system is so racist and it's also all based on your foundation. So if you're here an immigrant alone, you don't have a, a foundation, like you don't have the support, so you can't make it. You're going to spend your life just working minimum wage jobs in like restaurants or cleaning, which I, which I did. I did for two years. Um, so nothing, there is no support, but I always had this voice in my head, like, no, you can make it. And uh, that's how I enrolled in uh, community college first, because it was the easiest to get to. And I pretended that I'm American. I went to the American uh, exams section instead of the uh, immigrants or like the foreigns. And uh, that speeded up my education process. And uh, I studied three years in a community college and um, I worked a lot in like cleaning, um, bagel shops, um, a lot of other jobs. And yeah, I mean, and then I got accepted to the best architecture school in the country. And yeah, I'm, I'm about to graduate. <laughs> That's really incredible. I mean, uh, architecture is like a great field and i feel that there's like a there's like a nice it's almost like poetic justice in a sense that you come from a country where a lot of things have been torn down or blown up you know buildings destroyed and you chose a profession that doesn't destroy it creates it builds yeah it builds yeah <laughs> what are your goals for the future with architecture uh, I always ask myself this question and uh, I don't have a hundred percent set goal because I'm still a student, but looking back at my life and my experience in life, I always like was raised to help others and like within communities to help other people, people who are in need. And also I, 
I have good skills with architecture. I'm good at, in math, in art, and like whatever it takes to become an architect. So I think I should look for, I should use architecture to help the life of other people, especially people who suffered from war and natural disasters. But to be honest, how to do it and how to start it, I have no idea. But that's how I see my vision and like how I have to use my life story combined with architecture. Really noble goal. I mean, I'm certainly here to help you any way you need. I'm sure there's ways you can figure out how to combine both of them. Yeah. Uh, Going off that point, would you ever consider going back to Syria and maybe applying your skills to help rebuild the country? Uh, I am, but I want to help the people. I don't want to help the government. So as long as the current government is still in charge, I'm never going to go back. Oh, man. That's heavy. I uh, Can you raise your voice? Daniel, I can't hear you. That was, a, it was really heavy, what you said. And do you have any friends or family still over there? Um, I have, I think, one friend, yeah. And I have uh, my grandma, my aunt, and my uncle. And, uh, and um, everyone else here lives in the United States or the Caribbean, like of my family. And what about of, uh, your friends from college? Do all of them live in the U.S. or are they in different places? Uh, my friends in from Damascus, from college, uh, they're all over the world. Some in Dubai, some in um, uh, Germany, some in Austria. Um, and as also like my friends from the my neighborhood, also the same. Like they're all over the world. In America, there is two people that I had, like they were close friends since we were kids. And they're here, but I don't see them that much, but they're here. We still talk to each other every day. That's good that you keep communication with people, you know, like to keep the community going. Yeah, yeah. I still talk to my college friends until today. So I have one final question for you. Yeah. If you could give one piece of advice to someone about to immigrate or maybe someone who is new to this country, what would it be? And I want you to like draw from your experiences and like picture yourself telling your like yourself this, you know? Okay. Uh, first, never look down at yourself as you are an immigrant. Always look at yourself that you are capable of doing big things. Don't let people put you down and um, and work hard. Work very hard and have the belief in yourself. Have this goal and belief that you're going to do, make a change. And that's it. I like that. It's short, concise, to the point. I think it's really useful, you know? Thank you. All right. Well, I want to thank you again for being on. Uh, with all that being said... Uh, Again, thank you for sharing your story. That's all the time we have. And to our audience, remember, we're all immigrants from somewhere. Thank you so much, Daniel. It was a great opportunity. I never expected myself talking about my story like in front of people. Hey, but thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.